Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of an Evolved Review. I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens. And as always, I am joined by the man who has seen more wrestling than anyone in the known multiverse, Caleb Stovall. Welcome back, man. Yes, and with all of my uh, high production uh, qualities here. <laughs> Look, man, anybody knows that if you got a downtown Atlanta apartment, like that, I mean, you know. Like the rent on a cardboard box downtown Atlanta is like nine hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you go and put a mailbox out front and put a little light in it. Now it's a thousand. So that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, yes, it is quite expensive here in Atlanta. But I will say this, man, uh, I love Atlanta. This city is amazing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I I love it here. Uh, I'm a huge fan of living here. I actually yes. Uh, I my mom came to visit last week and um, I. Uh, ended up taking her down to the aquarium. Her and a friend of hers came down. Oh, awesome. And she had never been. Um, she was not fond of the traffic that was involved in getting there. Uh, <laughs> because she was like, "How you know, when do we need to leave? And I said, "In about you know, about an hour before. And she was like, an hour? It's 13 miles away. And I was like, yeah. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, and and let me tell you, it was my it was the first time that I had been exposed to like the general public. I think since COVID started. I mean, you know, I, I go to the grocery store and you know go to the wrestling shows and things like that. But I mean, like there were the the aquarium was sold out all day. I mean, there was just hundreds of people in there, everywhere, screaming children, which is like the worst sound in the universe. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and and it was just it was just like it, there was a minute where I was just like, this is how things just used to be all the time, and it was, yeah. but it was very cool to as much as I hated it, it was I was glad to see it if that makes any sense at all. No, 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 I, I like I completely agree with you. I was talking with someone about this the other day, and you know. <laughs> Let me finish the statement right um, before anyone jumps on me. But as much as the pandemic was, uh, it was obviously awful to the wrestling industry, to the music touring industry, to the sports world and everything like that. It, it was terrible in that sense. There was nothing good that came out of it. There was a po There's a positive thing, though, that I think I'm seeing at least in the fact of like, um, I just bought uh, Beartooth tickets. If there are any Beartooth fans uh, on here, um, they're an amazing band. They're coming to Atlanta. And I looked on the Masquerade's website. If you go and you look at all their shows, even the shows that are like hardcore indie rock shows that you've never heard of any of these people, those shows are selling out because people want to get back out and see, you know, bands and sports and wrestling and everything like that. They want to experience the live stuff that they miss for so long. And I think that for the longest time, we as a society took that for granted. Right and now. And, and so when it was taken away from us, now that it's being brought back, now everyone's like, okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna go see some shit. We don't even care, you know, because normally you get those people who will be like, "Oh, well, they're coming into town this time, but we can't go, so let's let's go see them the next time they come into town." No, no, everyone's being like, "Nope, we're going now." Like, yeah, we'll, we'll catch them next time. That's the that's the the bane of the live service 
industry in general, um, you know, and that's kind of the problem too with like, you know, smaller markets like wrestling shows that run monthly is it's like, ah, well, you know, if, if they're not telling storylines that I'm interested in, well, I mean, whatever, I'll, I'll get, I'll get there when I get there. 900 of the other things can be, you know, priority. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, but I think people are not saying that now. I think no. that people are, are actually like starting to realize the value in everything. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very interesting that we've landed on this topic of conversation because we started this podcast in the middle of the pandemic or really at the beginning when the, there was like an actual, well, the closest thing the U.S. saw to a lockdown where yeah. it was like, don't leave your house unless you have to, you know, uh, and everything. And this was even before I think mass mandates. This was when it was just like, hey, stay home. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's why we started this podcast is because uh, we really couldn't do anything else. So it's it's very cool that we're getting to ourselves go out and do things again. And, and everybody else is is doing that as well. Um Pro wrestling is seeing the residuals from that. Uh, both the All Out um, venue, uh, the AEW live shows. I mean, All Out sold out in almost record time. Yep. Um, AEW's uh, shows where they're doing house shows and touring and whatnot are selling big time. Yes. Um, I know the one in Charlotte that they're doing has about three quarters of capacity is already sold out. They originally put about a quarter of the seats up, and now they're selling the whole venue. That's awesome. Yeah, that, and then I mean, I don't care, you know, what what we think about the products, you know, WWE even. But man, just seeing that crowd again, knowing that there's going to be that crowd, knowing that there's going to be those reactions. Now we're going to see who's over, you know. Now we're going to see what really works, you know, because I. I I truly believe this. I I really felt like wrestling was mediocre this past year uh, and, and part of 2021 because of the fact that there was no fans. You know? Yeah. It's like, look, I get that th- there was a lot of stuff that wrestling did that I did not agree with. I did not agree with you know, all of the cinematic matches uh, or most of them that I saw, I should say, there were some of them that were really good. There was a lot of other stuff that I didn't necessarily agree with, but I get it. You know, like they're like, you have two hours on Wednesday. You have three hours on Monday. Guess what? (laughs) We've got to put on a show in front of no audience. How do we do that? Well, we've got to change it up, you know, even if it is bad. We, we, we just have to do it because we, we have to do something different. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, on that same note, like SummerSlam is selling like crazy. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, we look at like the size venue that they're in. I think it's a 65,000 seat arena. Yes. Uh, because the other day somebody was actually saying like, oh, you know, all out sold out in this amount of time, but SummerSlam has this amount of seats. And, they were trying to, you know, play their little like fanboy flute, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I was like, "Yeah, dude, the All Out Arena seats like twelve thousand people. The SummerSlam Arena seats sixty five thousand. Yeah, but that, but that's still impressive though for 
a company that is not WWE to sell out a place that has 12,000 seats, right? It is impressive, but they've done it three times. Well, so my takeaway from that actually is, hey, guess what, AEW? You're booking too small of a venue. They should be having all out in a 30, 40,000 seat stadium because I think at this present moment, I think they could they could fill it. And so that's money left on the table. I, I think so too, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really though looking forward to that special uh, AEW dynamite. That's going to be from uh, that stadium in New York. That's a yeah. tennis arena. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really hyped for some of the things going on right now. I think, you know, we've talked, I don't want to get into it because we've talked a lot about how having the live audiences back will hopefully sort of course correct wrestling a little bit, at least veer it back into the watchable category. I but, but uh, you know, I think that's going to take a little bit of time, but hopefully for right now, people will just be excited. Um, I, I want to add, we were talking about this a little bit off mic, but I didn't go into it. When I went to see Black Widow over the weekend, um, the movie industry is back thanks to Marvel uh, and the end of the pandemic because so – any time over the last decade, Marvel movie, I'm there Thursday night, opening night, I'm there. Unless hell or high water, you know. Um, Pretty much I, any comic book movie, though, you're yeah. before. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it, that's true. Now, when it, <laughs> when it came, but, but especially MCU stuff. True. Uh, true. Even the bad MCU entries, it's like, it's an opening night thing for me. I was not able to get opening night tickets. They sold out so fast. I actually went to go see it on a Sunday. So it had been out for three days already. <laughs> and I have not seen that many people at that theater in years. Like, not not probably since Avengers Endgame. Which one did you go to? Uh, I, I went to the, uh, I go to the AMC North Point. Okay. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, so. It's a nice theater, man. They have a Dolby Theater, which I enjoy more than. Um, the AMs or then then the IMAX. Um, I don't. Did you ever go to the um, the really nice the GTX in, in Augusta? The River Watch. Yeah. 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 So their their GTX screen is a Dolby Theater experience, which I think is way better than IMAX. Uh, I don't. I don't want to make this a movies thing, but uh, I, a lot of the IMAX seating is just so uncomfortable. It's those like bucket seats. And they put like 7,000 of them in the theater. And yeah. you're just like that, you know. I, I much more want like the recliners where I can relax and all that. So, Yeah. Um, I, no, I, I hear you because uh, that was the thing with Riverwatch. When they put the Riverwatch cinemas, I never went to another theater in Augusta. That's still my favorite theater. Like I like the AMC here. They, they actually have... A really nice thing where kind of like at the drive-in that we went to, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, where you can go on the app and you can just order your stuff and they just bring it to you. So you don't have to get up during the movie if you get thirsty or whatever. Which is oh, that's awesome. pretty sweet. Yeah. Um. Uh, that being said, uh, if you haven't picked up on it, uh, the, the main event tonight is actually going to be dark side of the ring. And it's odd for us to be reviewing an episode this late after it aired. Yeah. But unfortunately, we had seven million other uh, things to to talk about. 
Um, and this one was kind of at the tail end there, and it came out in the middle of uh, all of these different things, including the um, uh, A&E uh, WWE Legends uh, series, which we oh, finished up. Yeah, um, I, you know, I if they do another season of those, which I hope they won't, but if they do, it's it's gonna take some convincing to get me to uh, commit to reviewing all of them. Maybe, maybe we just review some of them because I can only be negative for so long before I get tired of it. Dude, I, I was about to say I'm not gonna be the one convincing you. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, folks, if you've been listening to this product for a while, you you, you know that I'm you know Caleb's the good cop, and I'm the bad cop. And if we both like something, it's probably really good. But if we both hate something, it's got to be really bad for you to hate it. And there were segments of those A&E biographies that we were both just like, I, this is awful. I, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> why, am, why am I doing this to myself? And they were so long, you know. Yeah. So. It, it just, it, it to me, it was... It, it's now a weak attempt at them just trying to outdo Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, and and Vice does such an incredible job with these. I do want to note, uh, before we get into it, that we have done really well on the audio platforms lately. Uh, we answered a fan question on the last episode, which was the uh, Bret Hart biography. Check that out. Um, that episode has done really well. Uh, the special edition we did on Bo Burnham's Inside has gotten a lot of traction. And that's kind of why I wanted to do it was like that's outside the wheelhouse of this show typically. And right. it's very uh, – it, it's it's something that people who may not be familiar with our show at all would, would maybe get into. And then, um, you know, that has done really well in audio platforms and the Grizzly Smith episode as well. So – uh, one thing I want to say is, if you're listening to this, if you're if you're watching this on Facebook, go to an evolved review and leave us a review. Um, I know it's weird that we're normally ones giving you guys the reviews, but now we're asking for them. Uh, and, and and if you're listening to this on Google Play or iTunes or any of that stuff, please go and give us a review. Um, we will give you a shout out on the show. Uh, but you know when you go and, and you review the. Um, the podcast uh, that goes into the algorithm and it allows us to pop up on more people's like suggested feeds uh, so we can get more people listening but uh, last week we saw a really nice spike in listeners we've actually um, on the audio platforms we finally passed both the Grizzly Smith episode and the uh, Bo Burnham episode both passed uh, the Bruiser Brody episode finally on the audio platforms. Wow, that's so, awesome! Yeah, I mean, we had been really fighting to get over that peak. Yeah, uh, and, but we're there on the audio now on YouTube. <laughs> the Bruiser Brody episode is still by far. Um, it's got like two, three thousand likes and more views or something like that. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's it. That episode is uh, is far and away. I think. Um, one of the most interesting on on YouTube, how it's kind of taken off, and it's kind of like our flagship episode. So hey, you ne- you never know. Maybe this is to be the next one. I wonder why though that like you know the Bruiser Brody one's so popular. Joe Brown has a really nice beard, um, <laughs> and that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna attribute it to. Now I think it well 
I think part of it is it, it's such an interesting story. We've talked a lot about, you know, we always compare these kind of wrestling tragedies to uh, the like real life kind of murder documentaries that people like. And it's kind of the same thing. And that Bruiser Brody episode kind of blurs that line. You yeah. could you could make that a like serial killer. Well, not serial killer, but uh, you could make that like a murder mystery episode mm-hmm. without even having it having to be a wrestling program. No, yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that. Like I said, you know, my aunt who was not a wrestling fan by any means, she I showed her Dark Side of the Ring, and she wanted to watch every single one of them. Including yeah. the new Jack one. Yes. Yeah, I mean, CSI, I think, even did a sort of, not an exact version of the Bruiser Brody, but they, I think that story influenced an episode of the show. Yeah. And, and and there was a point in time where CSI was like the most popular show on television. Yep. So, uh, before the 72 spinoffs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so, I, I could go on about all that. I'm at Master Control, so I see that kind of shit. All yeah. Time. Next up, CSI Thompson. <laughs> uh, we had a, we had a track down who robbed the liquor store this week. CSI Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Anchorage. Uh, we gotta fight who, the mosquitoes. See who threw the fish at the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most Jim Cornette thing you've ever said. <laughs> Um, that being said, man, let, let's get into it. Um, we talked about this a little bit off mic. So neither of us, to my understanding, really have a lot of, like, Dynamite Kid is in that era where he's, like, right before us, you know? Uh, I, I Neither of us really have a lot of personal, like, attachments to this one. No, um, I mean, I have seen like that matchup that everyone talks about and, and rants and raves about the uh, him against uh, Black Tiger or Tiger Mask. Is it Black Tiger or Tiger Mask? Um, so, yeah, so Tiger Mask, it was Tiger Mask in Japan. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, all right. So Tiger Mask and uh, Dynamite, I have seen that matchup and everything like that. But I've never really seen that much from him. Um, I mean, of course, I know who the British Bulldogs are, but I couldn't tell you how good of a tag team they were because I didn't really watch, you know, them. They again, they were before my time. Yeah, um, you know, it. While we don't really have a lot of connection to Dynamite Kid personally, yeah. What I think we and this is one of the things that's so masterful about Vice is the kind of the same thing happened with Bruiser Brody. We weren't super familiar with him, but for that specific episode, they got none other than Mick Foley to come in there and tell us about how this guy was the real deal. And when you've seen a man lobbed off the top of a 16-foot high steel structure through a table, and he talks about somebody being the real shit, then you tend to listen. Yeah. And that was very effective yet again here because... While we are not, you know, while we didn't have really any specific ties to this guy, and obviously throughout this episode, it's evident why his legacy is not, you know, kind of up there with like the Randy Savages of the world, is, you know, he he did um, influence a lot of the people we do really like. You know, there, w- there was no uh, Jushin Thunder Liger without 
uh, Dynamite Kid. And then also, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Owen Hart. Um, that I don't, I don't really like the running theme here, but here we are. Um, you know, and, yeah. but, but it's very, you know, we were talking about it, uh, about this off mic too. Uh, you know, a lot of the style of Will Ospreay or, or Ricochet today, uh, a lot of, you know, when I saw those clips of um, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, that was the immediately who I thought of was the Will Ospreay versus Ricochet matches that, you know, they they kind of look more like a like Dragon Ball Z fight than a wrestling match. <laughs> That's just because both of them are freakishly athletic, and I don't know, like, how... Like, I believe... I truly believe is there are three people in the wrestling business. Ricochet, Will Ospreay, and Ray Phoenix. I don't think they're human. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Ray Phoenix... Man, I don't know how that. Did. <laughs> the guy is insanely fast and insane and just invincible. Yeah, and 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 here was the thing, right? Ray Phoenix, real quick. Uh, when we saw that uh, dynamite in Atlanta, when we were watching uh, the Lucha Brothers versus Kenny Omega and Adam Page, there was a spot where Ray Phoenix goes, he jumps, and he does a Hurricane Rana to the floor with Kenny Omega. And when he did it, like he just goes and does it. I'm just sitting there. I'm watching the matchup and he does it. And I just was like, what? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. Possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm with you. Uh, the, the athleticism from those guys is terrifying. Um, you know, and, and this episode sort of acts like a cautionary tale too. Uh, none, you have to think none of the stuff today, you know, we think a lot about when you think wrestling documentaries, it's hard not to think beyond the mat. And we all have that memory etched into our brain of chair shot after chair shot after chair shot to Mick Foley from the rock. And it's so, you know, all, all the things that they do now, all the precautions that are taken now, not to say that there isn't still a ton of risk in pro wrestling, but if you were doing the kinds of things today that Dynamite Kid was doing in the in some of those matches back then, I mean the the office would stop you in any legitimately company in any legitimate company. They would sit you down and go, "Hey, man, you you got to take care of yourself." You know, they would have taken him off the road if he had the kind of injuries. I mean, the the you know, and and this may be something that we need to put on the uh, the the list of possible. Uh, top 10 sins of Vince McMahon is, you know, they talk about, and we're kind of jumping around here, but it fits. Uh, they talk about him when he goes to WWF and he has the tag belts. The man had his, like, discs tangled up in his spine and had to have back surgery and two weeks later was back on television. Yeah, um, in here's the thing too i don't just put that on vince mcmahon as well like i put that on the wrestling industry in general back then because that wasn't you know everyone points the finger at vince for that one but that was that was something that you did with every wrestling company 
But I po- I point the finger at Vince because he was in charge, man. Well, and, and- in, in, in that case, yeah, I, I get it. But I'm talking about even before him. You know, I mean, yeah. that's just the way things were done with wrestling. You know, Arn Anderson talks about it all the time. He says, you know, um, it was brutal back then. Yeah. Like, it was a brutal schedule, but you knew what you were getting into. You know, It's a brutal schedule today. I mean, mm. unfortunately. It is. Uh, you know, but 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 yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just kind of how the industry was. But Vince McMahon was in control of the industry. Yeah, and you know, it, and he could have made a change. And he and really, you got a guy who's not medically cleared. His doctor is like, "You are not cleared to do this ever." And Vince is like, "No, it's cool," because the talent is always going to tell you that it's okay. Of course, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen guys dislocate their shoulder. And and come walking back through the curtain with it hanging, you good? Yeah, man, I'm fine. No, <laughs> the the <laughs> talent, the talent, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the talent is going to be like, no, it's good, and and because that is the culture. But as a promoter, a booker, etc., it's your job. I mean, the buck stops with you. You know, if if you think that somebody is being put in a position that's unsafe if they even if they're putting themselves in that position if you have an opportunity to stand up for it then you should and i I think that this was incredibly um irresponsible events to let this happen i mean they should have just taken the belts off of them or you know you do the classic um you know they kind of did a variation of this but they didn't need him there that you do the classic you know oh we took him out in the back or slashed his tires or whatever, and the heels come out and beat the just the one guy, and then that's it. Um, but, you know, he could have he could have ended up in a wheelchair for the rest of his life right there. Yeah, um, he, he, he could have. Um, but, you know, I and I wonder, they kind of addressed this already too, but, you know, I, I was sitting there, I was just like, God, you know, that's terrible from my vantage point and from other people's uh, vantage point. From his point of view, though, what does that do to you mentally? Yeah. What yeah. does that, you know, because if you're in constant pain all the time, you're constantly taking pills and you're doing steroids, not a good combination. As yeah. we've seen throughout the years. And, and dude... I got to say, too, is it not freaky to you how much he and Benoit look exactly alike? Well, Benoit modeled himself heavily yeah. after him. I Well, I, I didn't realize how much he did until watching this because I was just like, like, I'm even looking at the um, photo that we have here on the thing, and I'm sitting there just like, like, dude, that looks like Benoit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chris Benoit kind of idolized this guy. If you look at his style, I mean, that snap suplex that Benoit did, that's Dynamite Kid. You know, the, oh, the headbutt. Suplex. Yeah, the headbutt. That's Dynamite Kid. I mean, he he really modeled himself after him. And that's the absolute terrifying thing about it, if you think about it. Yeah. Is he... Followed in his footsteps in literally every way, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And and I think that might be why this episode, uh, 
it, it almost feels like this episode should have come out before the Benoit episodes because a- after the fact, it's like, okay, um, you know, uh, this guy, okay, he was on the steroids, right? Um, which, you know, Benoit clearly was on. Not Probably not as bad as as uh, Tommy was, you know? Yeah. This guy, this guy was on it. I mean, just they were just like, we don't give a shit. It, they were. It was just an everyday thing for them. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and Benoit obviously was not on them as bad, but Benoit had CTE, just like Dynamite Kid. I mean, Dynamite Kid couldn't be diagnosed, but we definitely know that he had CTE. I mean, the the behavior patterns are exactly the same. Yep. And, you know, fortunately for his wife and his family, they got away from him before he got to the level that Chris Benoit's insanity got to. Um, Yeah, that was just so heartbreaking hearing from his daughter uh, in this one. Uh, I was both of them. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, both of them um, and and the ex-wife and everything like that. I mean, just oof. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting that you know his his ex wife. It sounds like she's really able to separate the two individuals. Him before he you know the CTE clearly set in, and then after, because yeah. it seems like he was a completely different person. I don't know though. Uh, some of the stuff, and we'll get into it in just a second. Some of the stuff he was known for doing backstage. Um, made it seem like he was kind of a bully and kind of an asshole anyway, and that he really had a chip on his shoulder based on the way he was trained into the business. Made both him and uh, Davey Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at, uh, you know, I I had read Foley's book, so I already knew about the story where he broke his jaw, and, and I think that really has turned me off from Dynamite Kid ever since anyway. Like, that's why I never really got into his body of work. Uh, And that was without knowing about the other things. But I had read that and been like, man, what an asshole, you know, forever ago when Foley's book first came out. Well, I I, see, I heard about that when when they did Foley's first documentary in WWE. Um, I had heard about that. But Foley never made it seem like he like he did it to be an asshole or anything like that. He just did it because he like he made it seem like when he was telling the story that Dynamite just was stiff in the ring and Foley was green, so he took it the wrong way, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me like he was kind of like that veteran that's just going to beat up on the new kid because they're green. Which I mean, once again. This is something that was prevalent in the wrestling industry for a long time and still exists in certain parts of the wrestling, wrestling industry today. Uh, there's my cat, by the way. I was about to say, man, they're making cameos in this one tonight. Yeah, it's it's the middle of the night as we're recording this, so they're very active. And, and this little guy really loves to get up on the back of my chair. Uh, he used to do it when he was like a baby, and now he's a whole cat, and he still thinks he can sit up there, which he still... <laughs> He does a pretty good job with. There he goes. Um, yeah, they're. Uh, I also gave them some catnip earlier, so they're high. Oh. <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to the subject matter. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just something that is is slowly dying in the industry, and it needs to die. And it's kind of like this whole episode is really a tale of that. It's like, ah, well, you know, everybody was doing steroids in the industry, and look what happened. Everybody was kind of, you know, an asshole to the new people. Look what happened. Uh, everybody, you know, was kind of taking these unnecessary risks and running themselves ragged. And look what happened. Yeah, but if you talk to Jim Cornette or anything like that, he thinks that that still should kind of still be there. I don't know if to this extent, but that would be somewhere where I would definitely disagree with Jim Cornette. I think that I I do think that the business should be more focused on uh, maintaining some semblance of kayfabe. Obviously, we're never going to go back to... Because the internet exists. Yeah. And Dark Side of the Ring exists. And we're never going to just go back to, oh, well, you know, wrestling is, is a real thing and, and, and the whole, you know, um, smoke and mirrors of it. But just because I'm going to a puppet show doesn't mean I want to see the strings. Exactly. exactly. And when you walk through that curtain, you could, you're either real or you aren't. And I think that that needs to that needs to be a focus, um, you know. And, and it does worry me with what's on TV with AEW every week, and some of the shit that I see on there. I'm just like, you know, it it worries me because at what point in time am I going to start seeing wrestlers that came up and, and got into the business because they are. And I, I, I got to take aim because this is the first name that came to my head because they're Kenny Omega fans. Like right now, most of the like independent talent that I work with, you know, they came into the industry because they want to be like Chris Jericho or, you know, they want to be like The Rock or they want to be like the Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen when I, you know, when I started encountering the people who got in the business because they want to be like Kenny Omega, then, you know, it's going to be like, uh, well, you can't work here. Well, it's okay because WWE will still be on television and people will get into the business because of Roman Reigns. I would take it. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Uh, they're going to have to know more than three moves though. <laughs> man, it, you, you know, and that's if really, the, what if they came into the business and they said, Hey man, I got in this business as I saw Samoa Joe kill motherfuckers. Hey man. Yeah, absolutely. Cause here's the thing. Joe, to my knowledge, only ever injured one person. It was a freak accident. Tyson. You know? Yeah. And that was really unfortunate. It was, it, but it, it was a freak accident. He just kind of slipped out of his arms i mean people here's the thing at the end of the day people get hurt in the wrestling business yeah. i mean shit the very first show that we did for viral we had a guy bust his head open in the opening match and bleed everywhere <laughs> i remember that um the a guy who's been on this very program uh superhero homie q aka ace um dislocated his knee on that same yep. show uh, so, and then we also had uh, a concussion in the main event that night because one of the boards in the ring had slipped and had doubled up, and it, so it had created a ridge in the ring. Let's let, let's be honest. You're taking a risk when you do just a regular back bump, right? 
But, I mean, that's the thing, too, is, you know, you're taking a risk if you go to the gym, man. Uh, you know, people get hurt in the gym all the time. You know, it's like there is an inherent risk in the business, but it comes down to what sort of risk are you, you know, are, are you being as safe as you can be while still putting on an entertaining product? Or are you doing what Dynamite Kid did, which was basically just blatantly sacrifice yourself? I mean, when you have Mick Foley talking about the unnecessary risk this guy was taking... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, struck me when he said that. I was like, what? That's the whole episode right there. That tells you everything you need to know about this guy. That It really did because literally I was sitting there and Mick Foley comes up and he says that. And I was just like, wait a minute, Mick, did you just seriously say that? Yeah. Um. I want to talk about, first off, you know, we mentioned the back injury that kind of changed everything for him. They mentioned here that they had to remove two of his discs. There's a reason that you don't hear about that happening to anyone. Your back has to be fucked for them to remove discs because it's incredibly bad for you. And, you know, not to turn this into an anatomy lesson, folks, but... The way your spine works is you have vertebrae that go all the way down. It's a column of vertebrae, and they interlock and allow you to have movement in your back and bend over and move your neck and all that shit. Okay? And between each of those vertebrae is like little pouches. And those pouches, uh, you know, allow that fluid movement to occur and prevent damage from happening to your spinal cord. So taking those out, <laughs> I mean, and being a pro wrestler is kind of like taking the all the safety precautions out of your car and then running it into a telephone pole <laughs> every day until something yeah. bad happens, which won't take long. Yeah, um, that's that, that's basically the best way to describe it. And it's interesting that um, that that they were talking about that because immediately what came to my mind was um not a pro wrestler i know or anything like that uh but my cousin neil um he was a football player in high school uh he was a defensive well he was on the defense um i forget exactly what position because i only ever saw him play like one time basically so um but he was he was on a big role, and he probably would have gotten a scholarship in football, and he probably would have been on a big. He probably would be playing in the NFL today. Um, instead, what happened was he got a minor injury, right? Uh, playing football one time. I don't I don't remember exactly what he injured to uh, have this happen. But they did a scan of him, and in doing so, what they found was as they went, hey, um, this is a minor injury. You're fine on that one. Just heal up on that. Here's the problem. You've got this thing with your back. Um, There was a problem with it. And if you take a shot right there in the wrong way whatsoever, you're done. Basically, you are paralyzed or whatnot so he couldn't play football anymore now luckily he went on to do track and field and he went on uh to do a bunch of other things but that's immediately what i thought of 
whenever I and that's what I think of anytime I hear back uh, about back injuries. Yeah. And just like, you know, hearing that, like what dynamite did just, oh my God. I That's someone, look, I've heard Jim Cornette utter this line and you know, you go too far when someone utters it. I'm a fan of wrestling all my life and I love the wrestling industry, but it is not that important. Yeah. But, you know, if you feel as though, like, and, 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 yeah, I will put that with the top sins of Vince McMahon, that if, if wrestlers felt so strongly that they needed to do that kind of stuff in order to stay on TV and to make money, that's just, that's just wrong. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, that that in general is probably got to be on there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just got to be. It's it, it it's it's got to be because I guarantee you, if Hogan would have came up to him and and said, "Hey, man, uh, I need a, I need a break. My back hurts." All right, well, I'm gonna give you time off. Yeah, probably. Dynamite, though. Hey, Vince, my back is killing me, man. I, I need some time off. No, I need people to fill in these matches. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. That's just, I mean, that's terrible. But it wasn't just him, too. Davy Boy probably did a bunch of the same things. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people. I mean, you remember the Pillman Jr. episode where he talked. You know, he was in that horrific car accident. He constantly was worried about whether he was going to be able to get back on TV or not to be able to keep his spot. Yeah, and and it was it was awful. But here's something they made it seem and I'm and I was I'm not sure if you're about to bring this up or not, but I'll go ahead and bring it up. They made it seem like a lot of this was because of a little incident that involved Jacques Rougeau. I actually want, want, wanted to come to that next. So here we are. And, and, and well, I see. I I I asked that because that's really what they made it seem like. Like like they made it seem like after this incident, he became a completely different person. Well, see, I didn't really get. Um, I didn't really get the idea that this was like. I, I didn't really get the idea that this was a, 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 a situation where he, it, where this was the cause. I mean, when they talked about it a little bit, Dan Spivey mentioned, you know, our, you know, he felt disrespected after that and like his reputation had changed. How cool was it to see Dan Spivey? That was cool. It, it, the veins in that dude's head, I couldn't stop looking at them. It's, it's so weird looking. Uh, <laughs> He you know. still looks like an intimidating son of a bitch, doesn't he? He does, man. I would not want to fight that guy. He seems like he's a very tough dude. Dude, he, he really does. And by the way, Waylon Mercy is one of the most underrated characters in WWE history. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, you know, that that being said, uh that incident, man, was such such an incredible story. And I really got the, you know, 
I got the idea that maybe Jacques Rougeau was maybe embellishing it just a bit, but yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he did knock the dude's teeth in, or out rather, and I mean, dude, that's just wild. And and it, you know, I'm sure that Dynamite Kid wasn't asked to him, and I'm glad that he stood up for himself. But it's kind of like, you know, I I thought it was an amazing story. I think it's honestly the highlight of the episode. And I kind of feel uh, like I felt about Scott Norton. It's like, can we get Jacques Rougeau back on to tell more stories? Because he was a good storyteller. Yes. Yes. He was good in uh, the Dino Bravo episode. Yeah, and uh, Dino Bravo makes a brief appearance here. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, you know, kind of with the mob ties, which is still terrifying to oh, this God. day. It really is. Um, you know, and... and we didn't actually cover that one, right? We didn't. No, we didn't. We, that we, we didn't. I have I have stated that that we should, because I went back and I watched it and I was like, eh, there's a lot of meat on the bone on that one. You know, maybe um, we're. I think this is 16 episodes into season three. Um, we have a few we've committed to doing. Maybe we'll do a little like uh, kind of bonus episode at the end, and we'll go back and and fill that one in. I'd love to. That'd be awesome. But we we also have to get ready for the second part of season three. That's true. Yeah. Um, And I know we talked about taking, you know, a little break too. So I don't know if we're going to have time. I don't know when season, the second half of season three is going to air. Um, Oh, it's September. Okay. So um, that's just perfectly awful because I'm going to be doing stuff all in September. I, I have, um, uh, I have Dragon Con in September. Thank all of the gods and all of the different pantheons uh, for the return of that. And, and then you, I, you said that you wanted to take me to that too. Yeah, man. I, you know, um, not to get too into it here, but it's uh, it's it's definitely something I'd recommend, like coming down and buying like a day pass um, and just and just going and, and seeing the madness. Uh, but I, I know when uh, that you would not want to do that because you would want to go at least two days because you're going to want to go to the wrestling show. So I do want to see that because like everyone I know pretty much goes to that. Yeah, and it's like two, th- two three thousand people. Now, unfortunately, this year uh, we're not going to have um, you know one of the standouts of previous years there in Anthony Henry, aka Asher Hale. Uh, but we probably can still get, uh, James Drake, uh, but his schedule is pretty crazy these days too. So, well, we have though, uh, Mr. Lockhart. Oh man. I don't know. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny or even speak on that. So, okay. That would be fantastic. Huh? Yeah. Or Um, see. Yeah. I mean, that definitely needs to happen one way or the other because it's a nerd fest. And he's the galaxy's only hero. So I know. Like he yeah. got his dark ball. Dude, if he did that Dragon Con, the pop would be astronomical. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, we've gotten so off topic now. Um but you know, I, I don't like I said, I don't know that there's a whole lot left to say on this. I really liked his kids in the episode. Um you know, they they, I thought, you know, it's always effective when they get people's kids, you know, for the documentary. But 
you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's like in this instance, there was a, a stark contrast. They didn't get his son. I didn't really catch anything about him except his name. I think his name is Malik. Malik. Yeah, like I don't think he wanted to do much. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably rough. You know, it's probably a tough relationship. But I mean, just with the the daughters, uh, where you have the older daughter who remembered a lot of her father and really wanted to get back in touch with him and thankfully did kind of have that closure with him there at the end. And then uh, you have Amaris, Amaris, Amaris was the younger. I think, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Yeah. I I had trouble saying it too. Bronwy is the older daughter, which is the weirdest name. And then Amaris or Amaris was the younger one. And the, the younger one is just like, you know, she mostly just had stories to go off of and then come to find out that, you know, there was a very, very dark side and a very dark sort of ending to those stories. And she kind of went in the complete other direction where it's like, no, I, why would I want to have anything to do with this person? And I think it's completely understandable. I mean, given the fact that, you know, her dad almost killed her, you know, when she was, you know, in the womb. Yeah, I, dude, when I heard that, I just like I threw up my hands like just oh my god I I can't even fathom a father like doing that to his child like I just I I cannot fathom that and I know we saw the Grizzly Smith episode and everything like that but you know I I don't know man that just when I heard that, that made me hate this guy even more. Like, I do not care to go and talk about the Dynamite Kid after that, basically. Yeah. I mean, and I don't really... I know we talked at length in the Chris Benoit, um, you know, episodes about how in order to really... In order to be able to appreciate any of his body of work, you really have to separate the the man from the character Uh, but i think that's considerably harder for us to do because like i said we had no connection to this person before now and knowing what he was doing to himself out there just i mean that it 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 does sort of make it to where i don't i'm not interested you know and you know that that's interesting that you say that statement um you know, you have to separate the character from the man and stuff like that. That's one of the things, though, and that's what Dark Side of the Ring points out a lot. That's so hard to do with pro wrestling. Right. Because, like, okay, if Joaquin Phoenix, say, you know, say he is this batshit crazy person in real life, but yet I could go and watch the Joker movie because he is amazing in that, you know, and he is right. a character. It is completely a character with wrestling. You know, when we talk about Benoit, that is who he is. Right. Yeah. They, 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 they can't recast Chris Benoit, you know, exactly. it's, it, and, and that's the problem with, with pro wrestling is it's not, the acting industry, you know, it, 
it's not the movie or TV industry. Well, you know, uh, you know, a million people know, not a million. It's it, billions of people know Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Tom Hiddleston, that Marvel could ruin Loki as a character, and Tom Hiddleston could go play something else. Yeah. The Rock can't. I mean, couldn't go. You know, be. You know, if he had fucked up horribly, you know, and 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 done some really ridiculous shit, he. I mean, he can't not be that anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, it. Who you the the line in wrestling is so, just, it's so blurred between the real person, and the character. And the character is forever stapled to you unless you are, you know, it's a situation like suicide, right? Where, you know, it, you're, you're under a mask and a, and a suit and nobody, you know, unless it's like people who read dirt sheets, you don't really know who's under there and you can change the character out. But if it's somebody where you're, you've associated them with your real life self and shown them your face and everything, you are that character to an extent. And you're always going to be that character, and I'm, it's not like when 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 Rocky Maivia became The Rock. There, it it you know it's like well, The Rock used to be Rocky Maivia, even though it's a completely different gimmick. It's still the same guy. His yeah. legacy is told of him being these different iterations of himself. It's not like oh, this was a different person because it wasn't, you no. know. It's just an evolution of that same character, uh, you know, and it, it's it's why you look at like Stone Cold Steve Austin, for instance. Yep, I was I was just about to say it's why Stone Cold is Stone Cold to this day. It's why Ric Flair is still Ric Flair to this yeah. day. That might be the best example out of all of them. I mean, it, 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 it it's true though, yeah. you know. So that's why, like, that's why, like, when people make statements. Well, you need to separate the art from the man. I'm like with with wrestling, that's almost impossible to do. Yeah, I mean it is tough. I mean, I I forced myself to do it with Benoit, I think, because uh, yeah, his body of work to me. I mean, that is like a majority of my childhood and a majority of the time that I've like really loved wrestling. And to take that out of it, I just I can't do it. Yeah. You know? Uh. But, you know, I also recognize that the shit that he did was absolutely horrific and, uh, you know, just unfathomable. It's like Rowdy Rowdy Piper said uh, when they were doing the Legends House thing and they had Gary Busey come on and he was talking to him. And Gary Busey made the comment of like, yeah, I played in this movie and I became this character, but then I got out of him or something like that. And Piper just goes, hold up. You're a character. I'm not. Yeah. Exactly. I'm yeah. not a character. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's just that. And so, you know, Dynamite, to me, his reputation is ruined. I mean, yeah. I mean, just like, just like Benoit. Well, he, and, and, and I think a stark difference here, too, is you notice most of the guys kind of always hated this dude anyway. Yeah. I, and, I, and so it wasn't like Benoit where it's like nobody had a bad thing to say about the dude prior to Eddie Guerrero passing. And then people were like, eh, he's kind of weird, you know? And, and and we associate it so much with the CTE 
you know, of it, of of this person that we knew to be this sort of kind and gentle guy that, you know, was affected by all this stuff. Whereas with Dynamite, it's like, it seems like I think he was an asshole before the CTE. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's definitely what I got. Like, a lot of wrestlers, while they respected his body of work, they didn't respect him. Um, what did you think about Julie Hart being in this? That was very interesting. Um, I did not expect that. I, yeah. I, I, I was like, I was like, wow, they they got her for this. And but it's funny, like you know, they've done Bret Hart documentaries before, and she's never spoken to any of them. Yeah, I guess because this was her sister, and she was intimately kind of familiar with it. And and you know, I do agree with um, his ex wife. On the on you know where she says at the end that you know if you're going to talk about this stuff, talk about the effects of the steroid use in the industry, talk about the CTE, um, because you know a lot to an extent you know these people are victims of a medical condition that is prevalent in their sport, and it is you know very important to be aware of in any um, pro sport where you could end up with a concussion, which is most of them. Um, you know, to to be looking out for this sort of thing. And it's very good now that at least at the higher end of the wrestling industry that doctors are looking for this stuff more. And, I mean, I've even known people on the indies who have gotten a concussion and, you know, been, been scanned for it and things. So it's good that the guys are aware of it too so that they know what to talk to their doctors about and they know to see a neurologist if they're having these sort of symptoms. So I, I do think that that is a good message that, you know, while it's easy to get caught up in the tragedy of, oh, this crazy pro wrestler did X, Y, Z, you know, we need to talk about the root causes, of, you know, when this stuff comes up. I think, too, you not only, though, you not only talk about that, but you also have to talk about the effects of traveling way too damn much. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that, you know, as much as I give AEW a ton of shit, uh, I am very glad that a space exists for the workers to be able to go and have a much safer environment than they're going to have with the WWE. Um, I, I think that that's awesome. I think it leads to, I mean, I think that creatively they are given way too much freedom in, in a lot of scenarios, but... I'm very glad that their safety um, and rate of pay is considerably better than it would be at the WWE. And I'm glad that they're kind of setting a precedent for that in the industry because, I mean, the Carney Act from Vince McMahon just needs to go. I really hope that they sell out soon and that those wrestlers can end up working for a legitimate company, um, you know, at like NBC or something like that. Yeah, um, like I said, I just, you know, that's been one of my issues with wrestling for a while is, you know, you have to have a break in there. And, and, you know, I just heard Bischoff talk on on his podcast. You know, he was like, well, you know, you you say that, but, you know, you take away half of your – your income and everything like that and, and whatnot or, or blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there just like, yeah, but that's not going to mean anything 
if you're constantly paying for you know to fix injuries. I mean, I, I, you know, we talked about this at length before, but I, I think an off season, yeah. I mean, does it hurt your bottom line? Yeah, but I mean, you also don't have your expenses. I mean, you have payroll, but you're not paying for your you know, uh, you're not paying to actually rent out venues during that time. You're not paying travel. You're not paying, you know, uh, per diem for all the, all the people that are traveling. I mean, there's just a lot of things I think in the long run. Yeah. It's a little bit of a revenue loss. It's definitely an ad revenue loss, but they still would get income. I mean, it's not like, you know, if, if we did a, a, a nine month wrestling season with three months off, it's not like the networks aren't going to put reruns on during those times. I mean, you're still going to be getting some ad revenue, not as much as brand new content, but I mean, even if they produce nine months of television a year, that's still more than anybody else. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it gives the people a chance to breathe. It gives, yes. it gives your viewer, it, it builds anticipation up for what is to come. That is the reason I've said it a lot of the times why these TV shows, they have this big, huge premiere of their seasons and stuff like that. Because yeah. people are generally excited to see it. Obviously, it's a different industry. I get it. But it's still, I just, I just think that wrestling has way too much of a travel schedule. And it's like, I, I don't understand why. These guys take more risk and bumps than football players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being, yeah. I mean, that being said, um, you know, I want to, I want to go ahead and, and wrap this one up. I love Foley's, um, kind of adage there at the end where he says that Tommy will, you know, wasn't the first and won't be the last person to sacrifice his body for his art. And that statement is amazing coming from just about anyone, but coming from Mick Foley, yeah, you know, it, it's just, it, it has on a whole nother, it takes on a whole nother meaning. I was you about know. to say, like, I was like, Hmm, this coming from the guy who literally did that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he knows that story better than anybody. Um, but so yeah, he is fine. Yeah, I mean, well, well, I, I don't think he's fine, but I, I think, uh, I think he got out at the right time. I think he realized, like, hey, this is getting incredibly difficult for me to do and got out. And, you know, your body does heal over time, you know, when you take it away from those constant bumps and things. And it, But it takes a long time. I mean, you know, I didn't go through anything near what Mick Foley went through. But just the, like, 10 years or so of wrestling every other week, um, you know, and, and training and all that stuff. I mean, I had tons of like, you know, you get the little nicks here and there, uh, that you just start ignoring that, that you just, you, you're like, Oh, well, that's just a thing. You know, that's just an injury that I have. And it's just going to be there all the time. That stuff does start to heal over time. And Mick Foley, it probably took a decade, uh, for him to, you know, and I'm sure he still feels a bunch of that shit. Yeah, I like I'm not saying that obviously he's he's you know, he is pretty beat up obviously from over the years, but I'm saying as far as like crazy mental health problems and everything like that, he seems yeah. to be fine. 
That's true. Yeah, I mean, he lucked out, man. He really did. He really did. Like, um, like with the bumps that he was taking, he's lucky to be walking. And Dynamite did not become so lucky in that instance. I mean, he he went through the worst of times. In fact, when the Benoit murders happened, guess who they interviewed? Yep. Dynamite. It's just, it's just, it, th- that to me was the biggest thing I took away from this was I was just like, oh my God, like, it is freaky how similar he and Benoit were. Yep, and and incredibly, the you know, kind of the difference is like Dave Meltzer even hits on it in this is it's like he's never going to get the credit he deserved for just the ring work because the entire story is shit. With Benoit, like I said before, it's like you have this figure who's obsessed with being as good as he can be and and also being this incredibly kind like person who's got this family of like brothers in the wrestling business whereas with this guy it's just a shit story from jump you know the only people they could find the interview that spoke fondly of him were the guys he used to do roids with yeah you know and they seemed like they were probably assholes too yeah. It was like the wandering crew of assholes in the back that stuck together. But yet, know. a lot of people talk glowingly about Davy Boy Smith. Well, that's true. But, I mean, he wasn't one of those, you know, he wasn't Dan Spivey or, uh, I can't remember the other guy that they interviewed. Um, um, the guy that, like, breaks down at the end. What was his name? Oh, I forgot. Um... Gary something? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anybody that, you know, we were super familiar with. But, uh, yeah. I, so, you know, I think that's the difference here. But uh, you got any um, any more thoughts on this one before we wrap it up? Uh, just, you know, not really. I mean, it was just, it was just a terrible story. Um and I know that, you know, positive talk can come out of sharing these kinds of stories and everything like that. Um, but just, when, again, when I heard about the gun on the daughter, that that just that set me off. Uh, yeah. I, like, I I wanted to turn it off at that point. I was just like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm done. I can't I can't do this on that. Um so, you know, it, it sucks because here was a guy who he should be known for uh, innovating the wrestling world. He should be known for his great matches. He should be known for his in-ring work, his body of art and all, whatnot. And he's not going to be known for that. Very true. Very, very true. He's he's just not. Same thing with Benoit. They, they they both should oh God again, they both should be known for their work of art, and they're not going to be known for that. The yeah, I mean the thing that you know was really chilling to me was when his his you know his his ex wife was like you know I you know she said that Dynamite Kid said well, I hope my daughters are so proud of my body of work. She was like they don't need a wrestler, they need a father. And it was just, it was crazy to me that he would say, you know, something like that, where it's just like, that's not going to mean shit to them. 
nor I mean it, it's not really and unfortunately due to your legacy it's not going to mean shit to the world yeah you know so it, it just not it was it was a terrible story but I guess it's one that does need to be told true enough a cautionary tale Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, um, you know, one, one last thing before we head out, I want to give a shout out to the, uh, tapped out wrestling podcast. Um, they have been, um, sharing our stuff lately and I want to congratulate them on their five year anniversary coming up. They recently hit like 56,000 views on last week's episode. Hey, which, incredible, incredible numbers. Um, you know, for some of that stuff. And, you know, they're doing a, a really great job with it. They have a, for their fifth anniversary, they are going to be doing a wrestling show that is going to feature, uh, like, a clash of different promotions from all over the Southeast. Uh, and it's going to be a huge deal. And uh, so if you want to go check them out, I believe that show is going to be filmed and it's going to be um, available online as well. So that's going to be something that a lot of people will want to see. So I did want to give them a shout out. Um, Caleb, thanks for joining me each and every week, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it wasn't the most fun subject to talk about, but, uh, um, you know, just like everything else, we got through it. <laughs> it's so rare that we have a joyous episode of this particular podcast. But that being said, it is what it is. Uh, and, and you guys keep watching it, and we thank you for that. And as always, this has been an Evolved Review.